Welcome on into the 2-3 podcast. I'm Cam. That is Zach. Episode 6 of Season 2, a bounce back win edition. A much needed bounce back win. It was just, it was just a really good feel-good win. We're 1-0 in the ACC. You love to see it, Cam. Against Notre Dame, 62-61. to A lot of great performances to go around. And if you look at the schedule, Zach, which we'll get to here down shortly... It's going to be hopefully smooth sailing here. And this is exactly what you need. Bouncing back to four and four, the opportunity to possibly be going to seven and four, heading into like the big time ACC play. All in all, a very solid game against Notre Dame. Yeah, this is a swing we desperately needed. You know, we were in danger territory, danger waters. And now we have a little bit of breath back in our lungs and we can kind of reset here, go back in the dome. We have like a six-game dome streak here coming up, which all are very winnable games here. And, you know, things are looking pretty for the Orange. And the fact that this win came on the road, too, at Notre Dame says a lot. It was a close game all around. It seemed as though, as this game went on, it kind of was swinging in our favor for the most part. But it was just one of those games where you're, like, holding your breath. You're making sure that everything's good. We're looking good. Notre Dame coming into this game was six and one, so they're definitely a solid opponent. It's not like we're, you know, beating like Louisville or something like that. They're good. They're very, very good. So it's always nice to get those solid wins. And I feel like the headliner Zach is that JG three is back to his JG three self. He certainly was, and it was such a beautiful thing to see. We knew it was coming. We were hoping it was coming, and he dropped his, you know, usual casual twenty points. Nine from 18 from the field. You know, it's it's, it's nothing better than seeing JG3 back and doing his thing again. Doesn't he look... He looked relaxed, right? He looked like he was more himself when he was out there. He did. And a lot of people, I think, would have been okay with just like a anything game. Obviously, coming off of, you know, the Illinois game where he had zero points. So, anyone people would have been happy with 10 points or what, just something, you know. But he, he looked comfortable... He, he was making some crazy shots, and we've seen him do that you know, throughout his career here. But he looked comfortable, he looked poised, and he looked like uh, you know, like normal JG3. The biggest issue I think that came away from me when you're looking at the, the spreadsheet here is that he was 2 for 10 on threes. That's not great. That's not really what you want. I would love to see him make 3 or 4 at least. But I think if you're struggling this bad, he had nine points in the last three games before this one, you're going to take anything at this point. And having him take 10 shots in a game like that, listen, JG3 is just going to shoot. And if he doesn't shoot, then something is really, really wrong, just like the Illinois game. Yeah, I mean, base, like going off that, he literally took three shots. One three, or one, yeah, one three against Illinois. So he, he took three shots total. So as much as like you'd love to see the percentage be a little bit higher, he's got to shoot. He took the opportunity, and that's something he didn't do against Illinois at all. Like that—that that was one of the things people were saying too. Is like he had zero points, but he only took three shots. Someone like Joe Girard needs to take way more sh- shots than three. So it's really good to see him get those reps up. Obviously, we'd like to see a higher percentage, but still managed to get to his mid range, and you know, and drop twenty, and you know, the, the threes will fall. I, uh, I, I've I been seeing in the press conferences after the games, I don't think that Jim really believes in confidence in players. 
So I'm going to ask you this because I know that you'll give me a better answer than, than Jim will. Does this help JG3's confidence? I'm assuming going into this game, obviously we're not in the minds of JG3, but you got to assume that his confidence was not at an all-time low, but it was down there. And to have a game like that, even if you're only shooting two threes, that's got to be a pick-me-up for sure. Absolutely. I mean, it, it quiets the haters. It, it proves that he he's still got it. He's not like washed up after one you know, zero point game or whatever. And I mean, not that like any, any reasonable person or fan or, or just anyone that like knows anything about basketball didn't think JG3 was, was over, but you know, there are, there were people that were saying that at least. So this is obviously like a great confidence booster for him. And yeah, I mean like obviously like there's from going, going from scoring zero points to 20 and kind of getting your stride back. That's that's exactly the recipe you want. Obviously, here on the two three, we have been we we've criticized JG three quite a bit, especially last year. But I want to bring something up, um, and I want to credit Mike McAllister. He's a reporter. Um, he mainly covers like uh, recruits that are coming in for Orange basketball and uh, football. But he had a really good point on Twitter after the game. He said. It was virtually along the same lines as when Jim had said that we wouldn't have won 10 effing games without uh, G-Mac. And I feel like the same kind of holds true with JG3. This team would be in a really sorry state without JG3. If JG3 was to go down with an injury or anything like that, or if we just didn't have him on the team, this team in particular would be lost right now without him. And even though he might not be the leader that we want, he is a very important player on this team. He does his part. And even, it, I mean, it, it shows Zach the last three games that he wasn't scoring anything. Something was off and it was clearly JG three. That was, you know, part of that hole in the, in the offensive game plan. Yeah. And when it comes down to it, he is our only true certified shooter. He's the only person with yeah. experience, the tape, the highlights, the points, the the, the shots made to, to be a certified shooter. And he's the only one on our team that has that. So it's, it's, we need him and test him to what you're saying. Like we absolutely need him 100%. Yeah. I always feel weird whenever people are like, we got to bench JG three or we got to, we got to cut JG three. And I feel like, Hopefully they aren't too serious about that because if they are, you're clearly not a fan of this of this team because we wouldn't we wouldn't have won ten effing games without JG three last year or the year before even if he is or this year one of the more <laughs> or this year yeah honestly if even if he is one of the more inconsistent players that's come out of Syracuse his impact shows he is a certified shooter and like you said if you look at our roster. You could maybe make a case for like Justin Taylor being the only other, I guess, certified shooter, but he certainly doesn't have the highlight reel that that JG three has right now. Yeah, absolutely not. And I, I I do think we have some other you know developing shooters with other people like Justin Taylor and you know eventually Chris Bell. But in terms of like true sparks marksmanship, it's JG three all day, all night, and he's the guy that I want taking our shots, and he's the guy who's proven he can make those shots. Let's go to the big man, all right? Jesse Edwards was the highlight of last year. He was 
undoubtedly before his injury, one of the more consistent players, constantly putting up great numbers. And we were hoping that this year was going to be much of the same thing. And it absolutely has been against Notre Dame, 22.16 rebounds. The biggest stat for me, zero fouls in 40 minutes. What was he doing differently that was like different than the other games where he was getting fouls? I really don't know. I mean, overall, this game was super clean. And other than like the the clock problems they were having just like internally, there were like, you know, there was like nine three throw shot. Uh, there was like 15 total foul, fouls between both teams. It was a very like, there wasn't even, there wasn't a foul in like the first 10 minutes of the game. Like it was a very clean game. Like, like both these teams, I think don't really like get each other's grill. They kind of give people space and kind of like, it's very clean basketball game. So I think that helped. And also I think, you know, Jesse really used his height to his advantage and, you know, maybe he's honing on that a little bit, but I think overall just the fact that Notre Dame is, is pretty uh, timid in terms of like defensive ball situations, stuff like that. I think that really helped. The last three games, he's been in double digits for rebounds. And even if, not any, you know, not really anybody else has been picking up the rebounding slack for the team. It seems like Jesse is just kind of everywhere. He has been a menace under the boards. He looks confident. He quickly made the adjustment. And you can tell that he's such a smart player because in the beginning of the year, he was making some not so Jesse moves. He made some Jesse moves that we would be used to if it was like his freshman year. But he looks like the Jesse of last year that we came to expect for for this year for sure yeah and they were looking for him he was their first option first play of the game and throughout the first half and the entire game they they were going to jesse and that's what we need we need that in and out action we need jesse to go to work in the paint and it shows what he can do if he if he gets those reps and gets those looks 22.16 rebounds i know you already said this that but got it got to give him give that stat line one more read and not to mention this is like what his fourth or fifth double double on the year like he is racking the double doubles up continue to doing a huge work on the glass and he's just he's just playing fantastic and I don't think we can talk better about our guy Jesse right now I think we can and I think it has been said by his teammate Judah Mintz quote we feel like Jesse is the best big in the country those are not small words I, I would agree, though, that Jesse is up there in consideration, at least in the ACC. And I would say if he's the best in the ACC, he's got to be the best in the in the country or one of the best in the country. Those are some big words, Zach. And I feel like he's filling those shoes in pretty well. He absolutely is. I mean, he's 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 being our consistent guy, regardless of, you know, win or loss. He's been like he, he's really emerging as, you know, our best player, if not one of our best players. And I don't know. I really can't. I, I totally agree with that. I, I honestly, I mean, earlier in like first episode, I was, I, I was saying that Jesse could be, you know, all ACC, you know, top big man in the ACC. So he, he's on the road for that. And he, nothing but, you know, good is coming from Jesse at this moment in time. I don't want to scare you too much, but does it seem like Jesse could potentially have a year where, maybe look at the draft after this year if he kind of keeps this sort of momentum up? I mean, this is his senior year. I mean, he does technically have like the COVID year. So I think 
right. this is his last year. Um, other than, you know, like he didn't really play early on. So I don't know if he considers this like his true senior year because of everything and like not playing much early in his career, which is like weird caveat here, a little twitch, but like people that play like under a certain amount of minutes should not lose a year of eligibility. That just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I agree with that. I, I agree with that. And it, it, to me, it seems like he's a, almost a junior. Like it doesn't really seem like he's a senior because I don't really remember much of his early career. I remember him kind of moving around, not really looking like we want him to, but I don't really consider him a senior. And I feel like he probably, I mean, maybe he does, but I don't know. As far as the program is concerned, as far as fans are concerned, I don't think that much of us consider him to be really a true senior, as it were. Yeah, and this is something Jim has echoed in years past, saying, you know, the, like he's young, technically, in terms of actual like college experience and, and starting and, and being a contributor on this team. He, he's young. So, you know, this is a sophomore, junior year here, and technically in terms of basketball knowledge and experience. So we'll see. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is his last year just because of you know, he, he is a senior in school and everything. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I do want to give a quick little shout out to Manir Hima. I feel like I didn't really have too many expectations for him coming in here. But I feel, you know, when Jesse is out, whether it's in foul trouble or whether he's getting arrested or whatever it is, I feel comfortable with Manir Hima being out there. I feel like a lot of times we have a backup that comes in or, you know, we have a, a yeah a backup center that comes in. You're just kind of, you know, on the fence about if they're going to be good or not. And I know he didn't play this this past game, but um, I feel comfortable when Manier is out there. And I feel like he shows his he shows that obviously he has been playing for a little bit at this this high of a level. And I think that that's saying something because he's he's getting the work done whenever Jesse is in foul trouble. And thankfully, he was not this this time, but like. When he's out there, I feel comfortable when Manir Hima is, you know, on the floor. Yeah, especially on the defensive end and when your backup center is going in, like you would expect them to, you know, only be worried about the defensive end. So it's a great, he, we have a great backup option there. Obviously this game, it was all Jesse, didn't really need anything. I mean, no, zero foul trouble. Like he, he was playing fantastic, looking good. So all Jesse didn't really need a backup, but when we do, Manir is going to be a fantastic option. He's already shown that he is a fantastic backup option. So very excited to see what he's able to contribute throughout this year. Because there will be times we need him for sure. This was not only a good game for for Jesse and Joe. This was also a good game for Coach Beheim. He had some great moves. He was executing his game plan really well. And for me at least, you definitely, you know, he he knew... He knew how to control the game really well. And obviously you look to that for a coach that's been around as long as he has, but it instilled my faith in that, you know, Joe, Jim knows what he's doing, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he drew up that backdoor play to Joe, which we saw twice. And our guy, John Bull ex- executed that backdoor pass to Joe perfectly, which was really great for Joe. Obviously, you know, he needs to get going and getting an easy bucket that he did those two times was huge for him and building his confidence and, contributing to the game that he had and you just got to give credit and obviously like Jim is always coaching and people who think he wasn't coaching and is now coaching are, are silly but it, it felt really good as like a fan 
as people watching to see like this backdoor play being executed out of a timeout and see that it was like designed and like that's what was happening. Obviously, there's things we don't see always. We, we see things that are ex- executed to what Jim wanted. Also, I think sometimes Jim just has like huge expectations for his players and is like just like, expects them to do something and they fall short. That's, I guess, a conversation for a different time. But nonetheless, <laughs> a lot of people are happy with what Jim was doing, and I have to agree. What did you think about the defensive substitutions that were at the end of the game there? No, I mean, that was that was, that was, that was good moves. Sai and Benny came in, you know, have your length and speed, especially at the top of the zone with Sai and for, for JG3, definitely uh, a great way. And it, it got that last stop and... You know, that, that's part of the reason why we, we got that W there. So I think his overall game plan and all of his moves were were well played. And in this situation, they, they uh, played in the favor. So I feel like it's a little bit, it's not a little bit, it's a lot of bit cringe when people are kind of changing their attitude towards Jim Beheim whether it's a win or a loss after a loss they're they want Jim's head and then after a win they they praise Jim for what he's done and praise the team so i feel like if you're a fan you got to make up your mind and you got to kind of make up your your attitude towards Jim and the program because you know we're not going to have a coach like this for you know much longer and I don't think that people really realize how good Jim is. It's almost a lock that our program is going to get into the big dance at the end of the year. And a lot of programs can't say that. And for a a coach like Jim to just do it consistently year after year, it makes, it makes national headlines if Syracuse is not in the big dance at the end of the year. And I don't think that people really realize that Zach. I don't think that people really realize the greatness of, of Jim Beheim. Yeah. People just fall into this, the rhetoric of, you know, fire the coach, which is a scene all over sports, which we've touched on before. And we just generally don't agree with that mentality, but I do think the point you made of just, you need to enjoy and, you know, appreciate what, what we're seeing right now. I mean, this is history. You know, some people arguing this is, you know, a downfall of his legacy, but years not over. It's young, we're four and four, things are looking bright this moment in time. And you gotta let Jim do what Jim's gonna do. And you know, as as a as a fan, you should support him good or bad. And as a team, as a team of the or as a fan of the team, you should support good or bad too. So just a little uh another another little uh rant to the the, the fake <laughs> fans out there. It's just it's just it's toxic, bro. We got it's it's I don't know. I wish I wish there was better camaraderie, especially in a loss. Even an ugly loss like Illinois. Yeah. We gotta have a little bit better camaraderie. Like otherwise, it's like if you're gonna win big, you gotta you gotta lose, you know, respectably. And as a fan base, it's it's hard to see that see that. I wanted to ask you this uh, at the beginning of the year, but I feel like it was too big of a question at that time. And I think that it's a better time to do it now. Do you think that this is one of Jim's tougher tasks in recent memory? having this young of a team, pulling them together. And obviously they're they're hot and cold right now, very hot and cold. Do you think it's one of his tougher challenges right now, as opposed to, I guess, last year where there was more veteran leadership? I'm not sure because last year you can make the argument like when things weren't going well, 
he also had like beyond that the team wasn't doing well is also like you're playing your two sons who are not helping us win. So he had like a double whammy there, which I mean, obviously Jim's at the point where like he, he doesn't care. Like he's more or less seen it all and isn't really like, you know, swayed by perception and what people think. So I think we do have, you know, the freedom to say that. I don't think he, he cares. He, he literally just does, doesn't care what people think. So we can kind of talk about whatever we, we want to talk about. But at the end of the day, Jim's coaching like he has the last 46 years. And, you know, we're, we're 1-0 after Notre Dame, and that's all he cares about. That's right. That's all anybody should care about at this point. I want to touch on one more person before we go to – a little bit of the negatives of this game, and that's John Bowl. John Bowl kind of came out of nowhere, I feel like. He wasn't really played too much in earlier in the year, kind of had great minutes in the last couple of games. He's averaged 18 minutes a game in the last three games. Jim said he's been practicing hard. He finished the game with four assists. He's doing a lot of stuff that doesn't necessarily get on the stat sheet, but he is doing quite a bit to, to help us win in that regard. Yeah, I mean... Surprisingly enough, it's actually been a really great sight to see John Bull out there. Obviously, he's like a fan favorite. You know, people like him, his personality, and you, you, everyone knows of John Bull. But in the past, I haven't seen any like, you know, you know, terribly huge, you know, positive contributions other than, I guess, the the meme of when he like he took that three-point shot like last year or whatever. That, that was fun, but it wasn't like good. So... <laughs> It's really good to see John Bull, you know, have, putting some positive minutes out there, and we'll, we'll kind of see where this takes us. I am a little bit curious where Malik Brown is in this whole forward shakeup, and not seeing him and seeing John Bull. I mean, I do like what I'm seeing from John Bull, so happy to see it. But I am a little curious where where Malik Brown is. Did it take you by surprise when John Bull started to kind of get more minutes? Yeah, a bit because it's like it almost feels like you know like an afterthought, and it almost feels like like we've we've gone this this far down the bench. It kind of kind of feels like that from from perspective, um, you know, on the bench and everything. And it's kind of like your first thought is like, what's John Bull doing out there? But then he makes a beautiful <laughs> backdoor pass to to, to JG three and gets him going. And you're like, all right, I guess I answered my own question. I mean, he's been a good he's been a good teammate. Obviously, he you know what he did with the the Bryant game, standing up for his players and everything. Like you said, he's the fan favorite. He had a great game against Bryant. I'm curious if this is gonna really keep up because, like you said, where does Malik Brown fit into that conversation? Um, and it might be one of those things where he's not getting. Jim's not getting the production that he wants out of his forwards, so he kind of puts John Bull out there to kind of show him what it's you know how how he does it. But at the same time, like he's not really getting the rebounds that Jim wants. Even Jim mentioned that in his presser that John Bull isn't necessarily out there getting getting the rebounds. He's doing good stuff, but he's not really doing what he wants. So it's kind of like what is John Bull doing out there? But also I'm not going to complain if you're not going to complain, Zach. I agree. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> I think, I think we will take it, take it with that. I think enough said. <laughs> um, speaking of not getting enough production out of your forwards, that is the number one negative that I feel like everybody kind of took away was two rebounds between Benny 
and Chris rebounding has been a big issue at the forward position. Um, I don't really know what to expect, I guess, from the... I feel like Benny has been a little bit too hot and cold. There have been a couple games where we're like, wow, Benny's doing great. And then there have been a couple games where I guess his energy has come into question. Does it look to you like he's been not his full self in some games? And I guess, uh, how does he, how does he fix it, Zach? <laughs> Big question there. Interesting question. I mean, <laughs> this, this kind of gives me flashbacks to last year when people were speculating about Benny and, you know, how he's feeling on the bench. And I, I understand why people may question or wonder or ponder, you know, how he's feeling based on what he looks like on the TV and that one frame shot that you see on, you know, on instant replay or whatever. But, you know, people were saying he, he was transferring last year after, you know, a tough freshman year and here he is back. So I, I think you can kind of get lost in this, you know, emotional reading game. You know, it, it's a tough thing to do, especially through a TV. So I think I kind of leave it at that. Um, I, I think, you know, he was sick a couple games ago. Maybe he's still working on getting his legs under him. And I think I think I want to leave it at that. The big question for me, at least, is how short is Chris's leash? Because... It's been several episodes now where we're like, okay, what 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 is Chris doing? Like is he going to is he going to pop off? Is he going to have a good game? It seems like when he does have a good game, Jim still isn't happy with him because he's not rebounding enough. So, where does Chris fit into this entire picture because Justin Taylor's been doing pretty well so far. Yeah, I mean, this is a very generous leash. Obviously, it's short, but he is still starting. He's still getting the opportunity to prove, you know, himself, which credit to Jim and credit to, you know, the coaching staff to keep him in there because, you know, he is young. Like, it would be a big decision for to, to get him off, and what that does to your confidence could could be negative. But it's, it's seeming like that, that – that leash is getting shorter and shorter day by day. And, and Jim keeps on harping about the rebounding and the lack of rebounding, especially with Chris and how, you know, he literally saying like, if you do this, like you, you can't play here. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously he's not saying like Chris literally can't play here, but he's, he's saying like, he, he's got a rebound. Like there, there's no if, ands or buts or anywhere around other than like you have to rebound the ball. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, I feel like, the starting lineup around Chris has been in question this entire year. And it's feeling it's just a matter of time when we do see a potential switch, especially when Justin Taylor has, you know, a huge game under his belt. Now he has, you know, some positives moving forward here. Obviously we haven't seen, you know, like 25, we haven't seen like two 25 point performances, but we have seen some good, good things from him. When though, I don't know. I mean, we're seeing 30 minutes out of Justin Taylor. We're seeing five rebounds. We're seeing five points compared to Chris Bell, who's got 10 minutes and and two rebounds and two points. So I almost feel like it's kind of a matter of time. I agree with you, though. I don't think that Justin Taylor is really playing at a level right now where it's like you need to start him. I I imagine that Chris will get a couple more starts under his belt maybe against these like weaker opponents to see what he can do and hopefully work on the stuff that Jim 
wants him to. It seems like these next couple of games are going to be the kind of of matchups where you go into it with, you know, you're trying to work on one thing, focus on that one thing, rebound. The the game should be not too close, so you can just kind of focus on what you're doing. And hopefully Chris can kind of get that down because he's got a ton of talent. It's just, I don't know what he's doing out there. And we mentioned this before in an episode prior where, you know, what does Chris fit into? Like, what is what does Chris do in this lineup? Like, what is his contribution supposed to be, I guess? I mean, first and foremost, you know, he, he came in as like a three-point shooter, right? Which he, he struggled with. I mean, even this game, he only took one three the entire game. I mean, limited minutes as well, but... Right now, like offense aside, like I don't even think Jim's right about offense. It's it's just you just got to rebound. That's all he's looking for you to do, and he's got to figure that out because obviously, you know, he he's struggling to to even do that. So, what he needs to do, I'm not really sure, but he's definitely got to get more, be more aggressive, and get on the boards. I mean, it that's like a big effort thing, and you know, I I think. I think it's a big effort thing, at least. I think it comes down to, I mean, obviously there's skill and, you know, athleticism, but at the, end of the, at the end of the day, especially loose balls, like that's just will to jump on the floor and get dirty and, you know, scrape up your knee a little bit. That's just, that's just effort. And if he's able to do some of that, then he'll, he'll, he'll uh, keep his spot. But if not, someone's knocking on his door and it's the knock is only getting louder. <laughs> um, This Notre Dame team, while they are good, they're not necessarily aggressive. They're not really athletic. Like Illinois was very, very athletic, and Bryant, you could argue, was was pretty aggressive and athletic. We definitely struggle when it comes to aggressiveness, when it comes to athleticism. Do you think that that's just the the youth of the team and not getting gritty enough? And do you think that that's going to be sort of a, a problem? moving forward when we get to the the larger ACC foes like Duke and uh, I was going to say Florida State, but they're terrible this year. So, you know, when it comes to like the, the Virginia and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely worrisome because when we have seen that grit and just like, just like in your face, especially like Illinois, Illinois was in your face. It was like uncomfortable to watch. And like, I'm sure as a player, it was like a little bit uncomfortable to, to experience. Cause you're like, yo, like get out of my face. And, <laughs> and I think that's something this Syracuse program has struggled with in the past. Like if we scroll back to Buffalo, Buffalo, I mean, Buffalo, like just came and like straight up bullied us, which that's not a brand of basketball. I think anyone should be terribly proud of, but Nonetheless, is being aggressive and, and having that grit, that huge, just like in-your-face mentality is, some, is something this program has been struggling with the past few years, I would say. And when, when we do go up against it, especially when it's done well, like Illinois, we we really struggle and we we have we don't we can't really get into our offensive flow. And especially JG3, JG3 gets rattled and can't get to a spot, can't get open, can't get shots. And it's just a bad recipe for for this team. And I'm not really sure what to do in those situations, especially when you do have a good team in your face. Obviously, like not every team is good at that. Notre Dame being one of them. They don't really know if they're the defense. They kind of let you do what you want. And they try to, you know, capitalize on the offensive end with all their all their options they have on that end. 
So I don't know. It's a little worrisome. I, I don't really know what, what the fix is. I mean, I think you just got to really like go into the mentality of being more gritty and every loose ball, every, like just take it to them and don't let them change your game plan. And this all kind of circles back to the rebounding question. You can't really blame Jesse for not being aggressive against Illinois. He had 17 rebounds. He had a pretty decent game all around. He had five you know, fouls, but that's just going to come with the aggressiveness. But you've got Benny and, and Chris and, and to an extent Justin who are not really rebounding at a level that they probably should be. You need somebody in there like, and he shouted him out at the end of his presser, where is Marek Dolajai when you need him? And in all seriousness, you need somebody like that. He was skinny as a rail, but he was still willing to throw his body at the ball and he was still willing to, you know, take a bloody lip uh, if it meant to get a rebound. So you need somebody like a Marek Dolajai. And right now, Zach, we don't have that. And you're, you're never going to have another Marek Dolajai, but you need some player of that caliber right now. Yeah, if somebody could do half of what Dolajai did during his Q's career, we would be beautiful. And who 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 could fill that role? I'm not sure. I mean, maybe it's a combination of a few players, but definitely need someone like that. Someone that's not afraid to get dirty, to do the little things. And as we all know, Dolajai did it all. And, you know, shout out to him once more. Got to follow the Bayam shout out with a 2-3 shout out. <laughs> Do you think that John Bull could be a player like that where he seems like he could hopefully fill the shoes and you know get his get his feet wet, get dirty and everything? Do you think he could be sort of that caliber of a player? I mean, he's definitely got the personality to match that kind of <laughs> gameplay. And I, I just think it, it's like we're at the point where it's like, are, are, is he moving into a bigger role where he could see continue to see these these bigger minutes, this this more play time, or are we gonna can I see him get slowly dwindled down? We're kind of at a crossroads here. I mean, we are at an opportunity here coming against Oakland in this this you know four game stretch here where we could see some experimentation, kind of see who has the hot hand, who's playing well, and. I don't know. I think I think we're we're at an interesting point here. I think we're also at a good point where we can do some experimentation, figure out kind of like who's our go-to, and kind of really set, solidify who we are. I think that's really important right now, especially. I feel like our, our forward positions are floating around. We're not really sure exactly what's going on with Chris Bell and Benny and John Bull and Malik Brown. So I think really solidifying who 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 is that? What's the rotation? What does it look like? I think it will be really, really important moving forward here. Well, let's move forward to uh, the NET rankings. That gives a, a broader perspective on how the the season has played out overall. And the, the rankings just came out. And if you don't know what the NET rankings are, basically they take the entire Division One landscape, rank all of the teams and all 363 of them, and basically just give a ranking based on that and Syracuse came pretty much middle of the pack at 181st overall 12th in the ACC do you agree with that Zach or do you think that that's a, a fair ranking overall I mean I'm gonna pull Jim Bam here I'm gonna just say I don't care <laughs> I don't care <laughs> all right fair enough fair enough I mean we're 0-1 against quad one teams we're 0-1 against quad two teams in the next couple of games uh, you got Oakland, who is 346th. 
Georgetown, who is terrible, will continue to reiterate that. Georgetown is terrible at 250th, and then Monmouth, who is 342nd. So these next three games are going to be against not good opponents whatsoever. And when you when you look at that all around, that's going to be a good thing for us, I think, because we're at a good spot right now, 500, looking to hopefully go 7-4 and four on the year. You need a lot of there's there's a lot of fixes that need to come with this team as many good as many good things have come out of the past eight games. There are a lot of bad things that we need to work on and a lot of, like you said, floating around with the the starting lineup and everything. Yeah, like I've already said, this is this is a good opportunity. We're we're a good spot here to kind of close up our non-conference with, you know, four straight W's starting with Oakland, then Georgetown, easy dub. Gonna say it one more time, then Monmouth, and then our our friendly neighbor New York neighbor Cornell to, to wrap up non-conference play. I think that those are four winnable dubs that we need to get before we start conference play. And even then, conference play is Pittsburgh, Boston College, and then we travel to uh, the, our good old uh, K, KFC Yum Center and face on Louisville, which is a great first road or I guess second road ACC matchup, but. What a stupid name, KFC Yum Center. <laughs> Had to say, oh it. my god, it's so stupid. Oh, what a terrible team Louisville is. Anyways, let's preview Oakland. They are later today, six p.m. ACC Network. Like I said, they are not a good opponent. They are three hundred and forty-sixth out of three hundred and what did I say, sixty-three uh, Division One teams. They're two and one this year. They've only uh, beaten one D one team. I think it was Central Michigan. If I'm not mistaken, they beat up on like a D3 school earlier in the year, but they're they're just not good. I think that the best thing that I saw about them, Zach, when I was kind of looking at the whole opponent and everything, their biggest starter is 6'8", and Benny is taller than that. So you should be having a field day with Jesse, I would assume. I don't think that there's going to be too many starter minutes in this one. And I hope that there are not too many starter minutes, at least for, you know, JG3 and, and Jesse and, and the, um, you know, the guys that are kind of solidified in their lineup now. Yeah. I mean, this should be a clinic for Jesse and, and the rest of the team early on here, get things going, blow things open and, you know, let, let some of the, the second string guys, some of the young guys that have, you know, had, haven't played the last couple of games like Peter Carey and Malik Brown, get some, get some uh, time to go out there, put some work in and show off uh, their game a little bit. And, you know, maybe, you know, we're still wondering if or if not, we'll, we'll see some walk-ons this year. This could be a potential walk-on appearance game if things go the way we hope. And that could be a cool sight to see. But we do have a huge bench and a lot of players that want to get some minutes. So that's a tough task. But nonetheless, I'm excited to see what happens. I ask you this every time, who are you wanting to have the best game or who do you want to see kind of step up their game later today? Man, I just want them to blow off the roof, off the dome. I want them to go have to rebuild it after. Like, I just wanted to just go crazy. Like, I want 100 points from from the team. Okay. Okay. If you gave like an individual, though who you would want to have like a good game is it the you know one of the forwards is it you want to see jesse go off who who do you want to see i think i go i'm just gonna general one of the forwards whether that's benny chris 
or even Justin Taylor, or, or even or even John Bull. I think one of the forwards have like a really, really solid game. It'd be like, that. that's a solidified, certified forward. That'd be great to see. Yeah, I agree with you. We need to have some sort of, you know, solid piece there. Because I feel like out of the four of them, if you had to put one person who is definitely a starter and needs to play every day, I guess you could say Benny. Yeah. But then when it comes to the rest of the three of them, I really don't know. I mean, it's definitely between Justin Taylor and Chris Bell. They're definitely the two front runners. If I had to lean one way or the other, I'm going to say Justin Taylor. I feel like he's been putting in some some pretty good minutes and pretty good performances, but I'm still not totally sold on that yet. And from what I've seen from Chris, he's a great shooter, but he's not a great rebounder. Actually, he's not a rebounder at all. So <laughs> I want to see some of that. I want to see some some progress from any of them, whether it's John Bull, whether it's Justin, whether it's Benny, or whether it's Chris. I just want to see progress from from one of them. This is a good stretch of games where you can work on some stuff. Let's get the win first. Let's worry about that. And then once we got a comfortable lead, start working on things with our forwards. Even, even go four forward lineup. I don't care. Just like... Have them out there battle royale style and just see who really etches it out first because they're they all got a ton of talent, Zach. It's just I don't know who is like solidified right now. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone truly knows. I mean, that's why Jim's kind of shaking up the lineup all the time, and that's why John Bulls found him, himself into playing minutes this year, which early in the season we would not have really expected or seen this coming. So Good opportunity. We've harped on that several times now, and I'm just excited to get this dub and uh, get this, you know, winning streak going. Later today, make sure you catch it. ACC Network against Oakland should be a fun one. Like Zach said, we're hoping for over 100 points on this one. Next time you'll hear from us is hopefully after the Oakland game. Heading into Georgetown, we'll give you a little bit of preview of that, and then obviously on to Monmouth, and then Cornell, and everything like that. Hopefully it's going to be good news ahead, and until then, you will hear from us soon. Let's go Cuse!